back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar coming to you uh, this weekend. The first, second, I don't know what weekend it is. Again, didn't look up a date because we were talking way too much about It Chapter 2 mm -hmm. in the pre-production here. We are very fired up. We have a lot to say about this movie, but this is our movie event review show, the award show for It Chapter 2, Andy Muschietti's latest film. This is Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also, Mike. So we have a movie that has a following, Mike. Yes. And we like the people involved with this. Very much. And we like to be on the side of good and right and everybody in the world. Can you guess where he's going? We're not going to be on that <laughs> side today. We're going to be against it. So. Yeah. Uh, to give you a little preview of how this is going to go down, this is not a film that uh, hit well, I don't think, with Mike and I. We're going to still go through our paces, still give out our awards. There are some highlights to mention. Mm -hmm. uh, we, Like Mike said, we're very, very big fans of Muschietti, very big fans of Gary Dobbin. Very big fans of It Chapter One. Uh, very big fans of the cast involved yeah, with this Chastain, one. Chastain, McAvoy, Hater, Skarsgård, big a lot, names. A lot of stuff to like. We're going to get into all of it. But uh, if you're looking for, you know, something that's just going to be an overly positive, happy day, thank God the biggest movie of the fall is here. This might be a little different review for this movie than you're used to seeing out there in the zeitgeist right now. Whether that's a good or bad thing, I guess we'll leave that up to you to decide. But just to run down how this movie event award show review is going to work. Uh, like all our reviews, it'll be two reviews for the price of one we will be giving out different awards for this movie that we feel they have earned as we don't expect it maybe to compete at the major award show later in this year so this will be its own award show uh, with that we'll have non-spoiler awards and a spoiler section for spoiler filled awards obviously with non-spoiler stuff we won't ruin anything about the plot or get into anything that happened with the story we'll save all that for the spoiler section so if you've not had the chance to see it chapter two yet you are in good company we will not be ruining that for you yet there will be a spoiler warning in all the plot-related awards that we will give out will be in the spoiler section. I guess let's start, Mike, running down some specs and some spec awards here for this movie, It Chapter 2. The most trailers before a late-night <laughs> movie ever, Michael. Ten trailers before this thing. AMC, what are you doing to me? I went to a 9 o'clock screening because of some traffic on the way home. I didn't get home till 1. That's preposterous it was absurd yeah. why is this a four-hour thing for me so i guess the easiest the easiest question from there is do you think the amount of time you sat through because you're not a big trailer guy as it is at least mm. at least in theater i purposely always arrive a little later get there later because we're reviewing these trailers right. constantly we see them on our own as it is do you think having to sit through those tainted your intake of this movie absolutely and that's what we're wondering like mike we're wondering going into this film were our expectations too high yeah and did we expect too much of it because we liked the first film and now we're just all soured on it that could be the other quick award and this annoyed me as well. <laughs> the vast majority of critics have the same review. And I'm just going to say that's yeah. a superlative. I rarely see this happening. But everybody says it's not as good as the original, but it's fine. And it's solid. I heard the word solid. I read the word solid so often, Mike. It felt like a solid something. Uh, yeah, I have substantial signs of concern award. Yeah. This is where we'll run down some of the specs. 
only an art critic would come up with this fake award? My degree is centered in one of the liberal arts school from the college I graduated from, that so makes that makes sense. sense. That makes uh, sense. The specs all around this film suggest that not only is a three-hour horror epic incredibly difficult to make work, mm. but that this one falls short in doing so. Across the board, this movie has lower numbers than its predecessor, and not exactly by small amounts in some areas. There's an early 7.3 IMDb score on its first 10,000 votes, which isn't bad apples to apples to it chapter one's 7.4 imdb score until you consider that's that right there chapter one though hovered around an early eight in its scoring before settling down at a 7.4 ah, so it's starting at the ceiling it's gonna come down this is how it always is right it's, it's like a balloon that's gonna lose the helium and come down right? <laughs> exactly I, I get the opposite. best metaphors right. out at the beginning <laughs> I, I don't worry I, I, i'm leading with my strong you're hitting on all cylinders early <laughs> uh, it's an early 59 meta score which is considered average on the site and is a whole 10 points lower than chapter 169 nice a 66 percent rotten tomato score on its first 206 critic reviews which is a whole 20 points lower than the certified fresh 86 percent 359 critics gave these 2017 prequel and there's some worrying numbers about the financials as well well, I, I am fixated on your 69 parentheses nice that you wrote down. <laughs> because, Mike, we're trying to convince our fans that we're serious art critics. Yes. You had a serious art critic fake award, right. and then you put nice on the end of 69. I'm a man of principle, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> the most surprising part of all this, but something I can verify, is that these financials aren't coming through the way they wanted to. Because I figured even if this one wasn't as good as the first, it was going to make a bajillion dollars. But it doesn't seem like it's tracking ahead of its predecessor or ahead of you know what they were looking at it to, to do a month ago. Mike, I get there for, at 9 o'clock mm -hmm. and... There's like 50 cars in a lot, and this is the biggest right. city Big in theater. Connecticut, Yeah, pretty much. It's a third filled, and then I get in there, and there's 15 people on my screen. And this was a Thursday showing that you went, Thursday night, right? And we were talking after recording, because I went after we recorded, mm -hmm. and I was checking all of the screenings, and I was like, all right, right, I'm wondering which one I'll go to. I'm going to try to go to the soonest one as possible. Which screening can I go to where I watch the least amount of trailers? <laughs> I told, Everything backfired. <laughs> yeah, on you, went, you, you just had a bad luck. You're a bad luck here. And I went to the 9 o'clock. I actually went to the earlier one, but I made good time getting there. But I looked through all the screenings and all the reservations. There might have been five reservations for each showing, and they thought it was going to be huge because they're putting this out every half hour. Yeah, and nonetheless, I went, and I also only had two people in my theater when I saw it on Friday afternoon. Wow. But nonetheless, this is going to do okay financially. It's just not going to hold up to its end of its predecessor, and it's certainly, like you said, not going to hit the original projections not by a long shot, if you ask me. The film was originally projected to do, depending on your sourcing, anywhere between 110 to $150 million. Like Mike said, the studio projectionists, everyone at least expected it to challenge the record-shattering first entry's $123 million September opening from 2017's opening weekend of It Chapter One. But after only making about $10 million plus in Thursday preview box office, which is in and of itself $3 million or so, or about 25% lower than the Thursday preview box office rake of It Chapter One's $13 million, new projections have this film tracking between $85 and $90 million plus, which again Again, isn't bad it'll leave the box office it'll still end up probably making money but it's just not nearly what everyone thought that this film was going to be financially at the box office in the first place so the thursday and friday screenings that we're going to mm -hmm. 
does that indicate like the base, the, the base of fans, like the, the fans that should be super excited, like the crazies, like you and I. Yeah, and they just weren't there. And the crazies weren't coming out for it. And that's why it's underperforming by potentially, you know, 60 million here. Yeah. That can make sense. Otherwise, the obvious answer is the critic scores didn't come through. The last one had much better scores. And does that matter at the end of the day to fans in, in this modern age of movie going the rotten tomatoes score matters yeah, people living Quite and simple. dying making their decisions on whether or not to go see these things based on what these sites have in store it's an interesting theory i i, I don't know what the correct answer is because you would think that regardless of what the score horror movies don't tend to score well anyway mm-hmm. I know it chapter one did, so maybe that does matter in this case. I don't know the answer to that. My only other theory, though, my only other theory is that there's another evil clown waiting in the wings. And because of all the hype that movie's getting, because of the trailers we got for that, I wonder if people are picking and choosing a little bit. They're waiting. Could very well be, yeah. Joker could have all the momentum. It certainly did coming off of Telluride and, and, uh, not Telluride, I'm sorry, but Venice where it was shown and had its debut, and now it's getting all the Oscar buzz. So, next award... And this is a legitimate one. I think the BAFTAs should look at this movie for casting. So we get let's get into some positives. Sure. We have praised this cast in many of our previews. These adult actors look like their Chapter 1 child counterparts, Mike. Yeah. I think it's spot on. Do you love one of the castings more than the rest? I love Bill Hader. Good. Uh, especially playing a grown-up Finn Wolfhard. I think that's spot on. Jessica Chastain playing the Beverly character and up, up grown-up Sophia Lillis from the first one. I think that's spot on. I think as soon as everyone saw Sophia Lillis mm-hmm. in Chapter 1, they're like, oh, Jessica Chastain has to play this. Except for maybe Amy Adams has to play this? Ma- yeah, that's a good point. Maybe, And they yeah. were in Sharp Objects together. Dueling redheads. Yeah, that's right. like could be competing for that spot. Um, I had a problem with Eddie. <laughs> for some weird reason, though. But I do think he looks like the younger kid, the the Glazer kid. He looks like the younger kid and also the discount Christian Bale, Patrick Bateman, American Psycho look. Did you have your Coke bottle lenses <laughs> listen, in? Listen, listen. I had my glasses I, on. I don't get this. I was seeing perfect. The black slicked back hair, the jaw jutting out. I'm not saying they were the same character. I'm just based on It looks, reminded you. It reminded me of Christian Bale from American Psycho. one is a worry wart. The other one right. is a stone Not even killer. close like, the mannerisms. The same. Yeah aren't the same. Uh, my vote's going to go to Ben, though. I, I think Jay Ryan looks exactly like a Jeremy Ray Taylor, all grown up, gotten into shape. They have the same face. It's like, is, is one, is that kid his illegitimate child? He's actually he just might a be. time traveler. <laughs> no, what if, like, you were casted in a role and you found out that the older man was Dad? actually your biological father. Like, I'm I'm thinking about this. That would have a whole lot more drama <laughs> and intrigue than this movie. But I'm with you on the Bill Hader. I think fans of Stranger Things, they must demand that Bill Hader is cast as an older Finn Wolfhard yeah. if they do that in the series. Even to the point, Mike, where if they can't get Bill Hader, like, I want Mike Wheeler to die. <laughs> And I want them to just have a picture of Bill Hader and bring that with them. Can they do that legally? Funeral service, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like it has to be Bill Hader, right? I I agree. I think it was spot on, and I like all the the all the studio shots that we've seen of Hader and Wolfhard Mm -hmm. like back to back crossing Mm -hmm. arms to promote this. I think that's really cool, and I think like you said, it's spot on. We want Looper two. Bill Hader right. and Finn Wolfhard. But no debt, just them hanging out and like talking. <laughs> just <laughs> cracking jokes, yeah. It could work. 
Okay, so the opening of the movie, the Neon Strobe Light title card award. I thought that was actually cool. Liked that as well. I was a big fan, yeah. There, there is positives about this, and including... I loved the v- video effects. and the I would most over-criticized VFX awards yeah, is my very next one. I don't understand how people have such a problem with it. I was going to give it the best computer graphics that Marvel doesn't have award. Because mm-hmm. to me, it's not on par with like Endgame, but there's a lot of heavy reliance on computer graphics scenes in this, and I thought they looked beautiful. I love the transitions. You got all the balloons in one scene. The big monsters. I thought that was fun. Yeah. And they, the monsters get bigger and bigger, which I really enjoyed. And you have the atmospheres that fit the VFX in most cases. Like you're you're in these dark, gloomy hellhouse climates, yeah. and then you put a big CGI monster in there. At least on my screen, it worked as well. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Cosign everything you're saying. I don't understand all the criticism of people saying it looked it looked hokey. Maybe it came off as hokey in the way the certain scenes were written, but as far as the pure look of things, again, because they weren't, at least it didn't seem like it was very much practical effects. It looked mm-hmm. like a lot of computer generated stuff, which is why the budget it surprises me that the budget for this wasn't more than the reported 65 or so million that it is. But I thought it looked great. So I'm wondering if the theme of this is that be careful what we wish for, be careful what we <laughs> asked for. By giving the first movie so much money, did we just get a higher quantity of all the stuff we got in the first movie dragged out to the point where he has a four-hour first cut that he cuts down to 240 and he thinks he made it shorter kind of deal, and then we get bigger monsters, bigger everything, more of all the nasty stuff we had in the first movie. It worked in a tighter film last time, but in this film it doesn't? (sighs) Maybe. Is that what (laughs) happened here? Is that what happened? Is it all our fault, Mike? Because I give this the it's funny and it's scary, but I still don't like it award. Funny. I laughed. I, I wanted to. I was scared. Uh, yes, there and was yet, some legitimately ju- good jump scares. Like we're gonna get into some lines at the, uh, in the in the spoilers where I'm laughing at them, and I'm I mean I had like five or six good laughs in this movie. It scared me five or six times yep. where I'm shuddering. Literally, the goosebumps on the back my back of my neck. I am just whoa. Yeah, I, look, I think the scary for me landed more than the comedy. I think the comedy was undercut just because there were some things that I was just so viscerally upset about. <laughs> you were in a mood. Yeah. This movie it, put you it, in a mood. It soured me, for sure. I was not happy. I texted you like two hours in. and This is not going well. I have concerns. That was during your screening <laughs> yes, you texted me. it was. That was, that was an angry text. <laughs> I was not happy. How about the most flashbacks in any movie ever award? Did you like how this was presented? Number one, it's the most. I think I think I'm definitive on it. It's the most flashbacks in any movie ever. Now the question is, did I like it? I liked some of it, and I thought some of the flashbacks are really clever. And I actually learned something. I learned like which kind of flashbacks work and which don't. <laughs> flashbacks are very hard to write. Here's an example of what not to do. <laughs> it's both. You yeah. get both because like the flashbacks to the kids right before the horror scenes. I would say like three quarters of them worked mm-hmm. in the haunted house, like carnival ride I type agree. atmosphere. I agree. That worked. I think the prologue and epilogue, like the literal flashes at the end, and then the 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 scene you get at the beginning, that worked. I don't need to see the kids in the freaking clubhouse. I don't need to see a whole a whole big to do with them in that clubhouse. Mm-hmm. You're gonna mention later on. There's a couple of scenes where it makes no sense to have a flashback here. Like there's some of them. Yeah, there's long. definitely. You're absolutely right in my opinion as well. There's some flashbacks that just are 
gratuitous in nature. They're unnecessary. They actually hurt the story more than help. Cut those immediately. What Cut are they doing? Those. There's some characters I felt should have been cut in the flashback in the clubhouse. I mean, how about the how can you trust the structural integrity of that clubhouse award? <laughs> I'm supposed to believe this fat 12-year-old kid built this underground bunker all by himself? <laughs> it's absurd. And my father, as a structural engineer, would hate this movie beyond hate because of that very fact. He, he criticizes structures all the time in real life, never mind in, when he's watching a movie. If I'm 12 and I'm like, I'm going to build an underground bunker, yeah. I would dig the hole, it would get a foot deep, I'd be like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'd give up and I'd have a hole in my backyard. But my dad's like one of those guys where, he, Mike, he can see like the facade. Like if he sees a fake set right. and it's barely passable, like he'll say, that's a facade like if he watched pet cemetery my dad doesn't like horror movies he would be like that's a facade that i see i see that and he's a structural engineer he gets it so he would be even more criticism he would have more, more criticism i don't know if else. i'm a chip off the yeah. old block here and i'm channeling him but i, I agree with you <laughs> mike this is the longest movie that's based on the scare formula of a carnival ride ever and that is so upsetting to me because the last movie, I think, worked because they just leaned into the fact, this is a fucking carnival ride. This is a fucking haunted house. Let's just make it the coolest, craziest, scariest haunted house r carnival ride ever. And so uh, can you talk me through your thinking for this award here so I can understand if I agree or not? Are you saying this did a poor job of replicating the haunted house experience? Because the tempo is different. The tempo in the last movie is one scene after the next, and most of them are scary. Yeah. And you pick your spots for the dramatic scenes. In this movie, we got like every other scene is drama. It makes no sense. Attempts a drama. Attempts a drama, <laughs> yeah. which makes it even worse because the last movie, when I just rewatched it, I was like, "What? Wait, why don't I remember this horrible dreck of a drama scene?" We watched the movie, we loved it, and then I rewatched it. It's like this this scene does not work. How did I not scream at this? One of the awards that I'm going to end up ranting over in the spoiler section, I call it the worst tonal shift in the 2019 horror movie it's award. It's pretty bad. And they're <laughs> so, they, they were so concerned with the drama and the interpersonal relationships again to the, they're like it worked like the flashbacks didn't work, yeah. like we're saying. Like they just he, Andy Muschietti or Gary Dobbin, I don't know who it was. I love both of them, but it, there were so many red flags for this for me. They almost tried to overstuff this, and of course, two hours and fifty minutes, it is overstuffed. But they tried to not make a horror movie. They right. wanted to make like this interpersonal kind of love story yeah. that just didn't play for doesn't me. Doesn't land. No, not doesn't at all. Land at all. And it took away from the movie more so than it added anything. So that kind of answers this next final question for the non-spoiler section, Mike. Is this a movie event worth seeing? Is this something to go to the cinemas to see? I liked a lot of the horror. I thought it worked. It, it works better on the big screen than it will on your home t you know, viewing set. Mike, is this one of those movies for you you got to see in a the theater? It's such a loaded gun question because mm. I still think I say yes only because for selfish reasons. Like, I want more epic anthology-type yeah. horror movies made. You want so one I of these that works. So I want this to do well. Right, so I, we can get to one that does work, you know what I mean? So I want this to make money. Look, I think you should see this uh, because I think the effects land very well. And I think the effects will land better if you see this in a movie theater. And I think if nothing else, even if you don't think the effects work, mm -hmm. you can take part in this kind of argument slash conversation that's going on, this little mini controversy about whether or not these effects are anything. Because like you said, and like we've just brought up, people are vehemently against these things, and yet you and I think they were great. 
So I'd like to see where more people that, yeah. especially more that talk to us on a regular basis, fall on this spectrum. I do think the spectacle worked. Right. And if you're I just agree. in it for the spectacle, for the popcorn movie goods, it's there. Right. And yet all the other shit doesn't work. Whereas in Midsummer, you're getting art movie mm -hmm. goods. You're getting a long ass horror movie as well. Totally different types of movie on the opposite Absolutely. Absolutely. sides of the horror movie spectrums, right? This movie's going for all these popular popcorn movie goods. Midsummer worked as a longer horror movie for me. Yeah, it did. I agree. And we had glowing things to say about that. Go back and check our movie event review. Did we give that an Oscars from Profile or movie review? Movie event review. Was movie event review? Yeah, go back and check that out. There's a reason, though, because when you're making a horror movie, even if it is a longer horror movie or this epic horror movie, like, you're still making a horror movie that's yeah. still dependent on scares and rules and overcoming the big bad at the end. Yep you're not worried about like worst first kiss ever between two people because how they deserve to drown because they're having it underwater at the end of it. You know what I mean? Oh, and then it, it really gets disgusting because you, these scenes are so unrounded flat. Yeah. I should, should have said the, the, they're flat. Like the characters are flat characters. There's part two of the dimensional script that characters. I think is, yeah. And it works when you're going so fast with the high tempo. It doesn't work when you have to dwell with those characters. And unfortunately, the movie fail, falls on its face. I want to kind of die on this hill, too, for people that are going to say we're Oscar critics and we're a little snobby and all this. We've put our time into horror movies a lot. And we appreciate the yep. genre of horror. And we love Midsummer. We did a whole rewatch of the Halloween epics yeah. you know all those movies and we were we graded them for what they were we talked about them for what they were those are certainly not to the, most of them anywhere not to the level of this movie mm -hmm. um so we've spent our time in this genre we're not just being snobs about this there are serious serious concerns if you're going to see this movie especially with high expectations i would say prepare yourself and maybe go in thinking you're going to concentrate on the goods that the effects deliver, that the scares yeah. deliver, that the big moments deliver. We don't, mentioned those too, but I'm still overly negative on the film yeah, at yeah. the end of the don't day. Don't go in expecting a Bill Hader Oscar moment. Don't go in expecting it right. chapter one and this great follow-up. I would say that's going to hurt you. Unfortunately. Let's dance. All right. Spoilers ahead! This is a spoiler warning. Spoilers. Spoilers. Spoiler section for It Chapter 2, the movie event review award show of It Chapter 2, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Uh, if you've not seen this movie yet, this is a good place for you to hit pause, go out to your theater, go watch it. We'll see you in 18 hours when it's done. You can come back and hit play. We'll be here waiting for you. If you've seen this movie already, if you're just here to hear, hear our thoughts about what happened in the plot, or if we've hyped up the spoiler section for you so much in the non-spoiler section that you cannot possibly go another minute without hearing our takes on it, this is where you want to be. It's all spoilers all the time from here on out. The It Chapter 2 Awards show the movie event review from Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Michael, let's talk. go back to the beginning and talk about some trailers. Yeah, I saw 10 of them. <laughs> and two of them I, I was glad I finally got to see. So, surprise, look, at Tenant. I wanted more, a lot more. Mm -hmm. But I got to see John David Washington doing some cryptic things. I'm happy about that. Good. Surprise, Birds of Prey teaser from yeah. the DC movie. 
I liked seeing Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I like seeing Margot Robbie. Again, I'm, I'm into that. They're not long enough to, you know, I've seen eight trailers that I've seen 15 <laughs> times. So the stuff that I wanted is not long enough, and the stuff that I didn't want is too long. Do you think it was just a really meta joke that they showed so many trailers because they were playing on David, uh, on the Tenet? The runtime? The, the, the oh, Christopher on the Tenet. Yeah, the oh, Ten. Right, yeah. It, you know, I see what I, it's a bad joke is what that is. That's the worst yeah, joke. Yeah, it's a bad joke. It's also something that might have happened. Because I don't know why it happened. I don't know why I'm sitting through 27 minutes of trailers before a two-hour and 41-minute movie. Why? I didn't have a single one. Is it trying to piss me off? Yeah, I don't know why they would do that. Trailers are getting a little ridiculous in that extent. It's absurd. They're trying to sell me. I, look, I'm here at 9 o'clock to see a two-hour and 41-minute movie. Trust that I like movies, please. And not only Trust. that, but you've already paid the money to get A-list. You're part of the AMC. Part of yeah, you're paying a money. This is a Thursday night preview. The real fans are going to this one. <laughs> Don't give me 27 minutes of movies that i got to see next because I'm probably going to see those too. Don't you understand, AMC? So there's the mindset that Mike was seeing this movie <laughs> under. Uh, let's get into some awards for the spoilers. We'll go through the plot as it was here. We have this big opening scene where these two gay men are trying to enjoy this carnival in Derry and they end up right. getting beat up by these gay bashers and these horrible, horrible, bad people and uh, they're trying to stand up for themselves in the meanwhile and one guy makes a comment about one of the bullies' hairstyles, how it looks like Meg Ryan and this is our first kill of the movie. We see it finally come down into the river after one of the men is thrown into the river from above we see Pennywise actually kill one of these men and yet the entire time as a predecessor of things to come of how I would feel about this movie all I could think about is the wait but where actually has Meg Ryan gone award <laughs> I couldn't get out of my head yeah it does look like Meg Ryan's hair it where does, the hell's Meg Ryan been <laughs> It's funny. So that's not a good start for me in watching this. I, I think this movie's very heavy-handed. I'm going to give it the heavy-handed award, and I, I'm going to go there now. I'm going to skip ahead. Because this is a, a character that I love at the beginning of the movie. And I think it's a very important character to have. At, this Adrian the, character? Absolutely. That makes his demise, yeah. This is important, and this is refreshing. And you finally get a gay character... In a horror film that is, you're you know you're pitting on the opposite side of evil. This didn't happen for fifty years of horror movies, yeah, right, Mike? Good point. This is important, and we're supposed to be scared of Pennywise because we lived through this surrogate character here. It's extremely important, and then they don't do it right, and then it's such a brutal scene. Mike, every character that I love in this movie yeah. or fall in love with. They get killed immediately. Like this didn't happen in old school slasher movies. Think about the formulas yeah, no, there. No. Think about the formulas. You the biggest jerks get the most brutally murdered. Yeah. I still think that works in a way, right? Oh, bullying plays a big role into this movie, though. Just not in that way at all. You're absolutely right. This is kind of a contra take, a counterintuitive take to all the classic slasher movies that this entire genre is based off of. I would say, though, at least playing devil's advocate, I do think that kill was important because I think it established that Pennywise at least is capable of yeah. causing harm in the real world to people that aren't small children. And I thought the way they're going to go with this, because you had I'm an adult you. cast, yep. I thought we were going to kill adults throughout the film, and I would have been more okay yeah. with that. Even if it's one ones that I'm compassionate for, I'll take this new school horror leap with you. Right. I really will. You better make it work, and you better nail the dramatic scenes, and you better nail the theme of it at the end of the day. They didn't. And then they give me scenes where kids die are dying, yeah. and we're seeing the kids die, and they're the most adorable kids ever. 
WTF. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff to answer for. I agree. We're going to get into all of it. We have the introduction of the Losers Club as adults soon after this. Uh, they're all getting calls from Mike. We run into James McAvoy's Bill character, who is now a famous writer. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the, the ending sucks, the ending sucks thing that's kind of thrown at us this entire time. Bill is... A writer who mm-hmm. writes for movies, writes books, but McAvoy. apparently yep. yeah, his endings suck, right? And it's the, <laughs> I thought at first, the Sorry Stephen King But Everybody's Right Here Award. I thought this was taking a punch at Stephen King's book right. or at the original ABC miniseries of it when I, I first don't remember, came across it. I don't remember if this was in the novel. I'm mm-hmm. guessing it was. Okay. That's, that's a lot of novel to remember. I don't remember <laughs> that novel. I just remember not liking the novel. I'm guessing it was in there. They're fairly faithful by everybody's recollection. Right. But here are the expectations a running joke like that gives Mm -hmm. you, in my opinion. The expectations is that here is a protagonist character, (laughs) protagonist-ish. can't say that even you can argue beverly's more of a protagonist i would argue bill Hader's character is the best but he is a protagonist in the last movie that's your protagonist all grown up now what's his weakness at the beginning of the film that needs to be solved by the end of it he needs to learn how to write a great ending he has to finish this he has to finish it he has to be able to write a good ending for a good book at the end of this. So it's basically boasting that we, oh my God, just wait till the ending we have for this movie. Right. And I came to at least, I guess, rationalize mm. after seeing this movie. For me, it was, well, is Andy Muschietti or Gary Doberman actually here saying, look, right off the top, we have a great premise. We mm-hmm. have this child-killing, evil ghost clown. Yeah. It's a great idea, but it is impossible to write out of. We can't figure out how to end this. The miniseries couldn't do it. Stephen King couldn't do it successfully. And God damn it, we're not going to have that much success with it. Because the ending, I mean, it, it doesn't work for us, right? We took it entirely different ways. Right. <laughs> you thought <laughs> he did. was basically warning us. I th- after, But I didn't, you know, you don't get that until after you see the movie. Right. Right. So I, I, that's maybe me trying to make apologies for it. Maybe that's how he intended it. I don't know, but... Regardless, that's where we are. We go through meeting more characters and we have this overwhelming sense of dread that is meeting each of the Losers Club when Mike calls them because Mike's the only one that stayed in Derry. He's saying because of the pact, they all have to come back. We have Bill Hader throwing up. We have uh, James McAvoy being very concerned. We have Eddie's character immediately getting into a car crash. We meet Jessica Chastain's Beverly character. She's the last one to come across our screen and we realize she is in a marriage. A disgusting domestic violence situation. With an abusive husband and it is gross and it is disgusting. You're absolutely right. The weight Jessica Chastain might be a hypocrite award, and I'm sorry to have to do this. Now, she's only a hypocrite because of what she said. That's how hypocrites work, right. yes. But, I mean, <laughs> we don't think what she said is wrong if you play a compassionate woman going through that trauma and you make people understand at the end of the day, artistically, there's something to be gained by portraying a battered woman on screen and there's 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 commiseration there's all kinds of uh, of good things that can yeah. come out of that 
this is a disgusting black and white scene. It seems a, an, a, bit, a bit gratuitous. You don't need to even see the abuse, and yet it's included in this, and her character is abused by her husband, and she finally leaves her husband at the right. end of the scene. She tweeted about Tarantino, again, not to make this about Tarantino, but when violence against women is used as a plot device to make the character stronger, then we have a problem. It is not empowering to be beaten and raped, yet so many films make their phoenix moment for women. We don't need abuse in order to be powerful. We already are, and I agree with what you said. As a principle, if you believe this, that's fine. Mm. But she took this on her pedestal to kind of undermine and choke to undo the career of a prolific director in one breath. And then a couple years later, not more than a year later, she's taking this role in a studio film where she plays a character that gets abused. Let's be honest. I also agree with Jessica Chastain's quote, if that's all that's happening in a movie with a character, with a female character and with female characters in the industry, in stories you know, in, in Hollywood, if that's all that's happening and she's recognizing a trope where only female characters are getting these muscle flex scenes when they face abuse, mm-hmm. if that's becoming a tired trope, I agree with her a 100%. Why are we leaning into that trope again here? I don't, th- like you said, I think the abuse itself in this movie is a bit gratuitous and I don't think it needed to be shown. You could have intimated at it, you could have hinted at it the entire time throughout her character. If you get one of those scenes, it's it's bearable, right? right. But when you get 10 of those scenes, it's, it's pretty gruesome. Yeah. And it's more than just being, all right, I'm going into a horror movie and I should figure on getting 10 disgusting scenes. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't really work. The last for movie me, we yeah. had more fun. Yeah. We had two of those scenes with a couple of the bullies and that was shocking and terrifying. And we had the kid getting eaten at the beginning in the last movie. All right, there's two really disgusting scenes. Three, Beverly with her dad. All right, I get it. You you pushed my threshold in the last movie and you kept me up-tempo for the rest of it that I can bear it. Here, right. I can't bear it because we're dwelling on these fucking scenes. So we do get to the point later in Derry. All the losers have re- reunited and they are meeting at this Chinese restaurant. This is the weirdest meal at a Chinese <laughs> restaurant ever, Michael. And I'm giving that an award. Because I don't know if I like this scene. I really kind of didn't because the banter's really bad going in between mm-hmm. all these old friends who just realized they actually knew each other in a past life, but they're remembering that they knew each other now that they're back where they were, but when they remembered each other before. These people don't have Facebook. <laughs> That, like this, this entire but they didn't thing remember falls that apart. they were needed to remember each other. This the entire whole thing. thing falls apart with the invention of social media. If Mike, who stayed in Derry, was on social media and he wasn't a relic living in a library, you're exactly right. This whole thing doesn't need to exist. You're exactly right. But I like that we get the creepy, crawly, flying nightmares. I like that we get the fortune cookie message from Pennywise that about was a good Stanley. Touch. All those things are horrifying and kind of fun this this scene is so batshit that i respect it and i want i think if this movie did more of this like guess what's going to come alive in this scare and this was a good way of uh, excusing the pun because it's at a restaurant but setting the table for the types of reliance on the visual effects that the scares were going to have you see a fortune cookie turn into a half bat you see an eyeball crash out of one of the fortune cookies that's like a baby bird i I like that a lot and it was okay we're going to be this crazy with this that's fine if that's where we're going with this i was okay with that uh we go from that the chinese restaurant to the people obviously you know we want to get the hell out of dodge we've had enough i liked that 
this happened, and this is the arguing away of the obvious objection of let's get the fuck out of Dodge Award. Yeah. Because this makes total sense. I'm Hater literally says it. I'm getting out of Dodge before it ends worse than one of Bill's books. That's a great line that <laughs> made me laugh. Uh, later on, he's like, uh, he's trying to leave again. He's like, I've got dates in fucking Reno, man. <laughs> I like, yeah. <laughs> Bill, Hader, Bill Hader is, is the best part of this movie. I think he is the only character that comes alive throughout this movie where I'm like, give me more of that. I'm perking up when that happens because you and I are taking vigorous notes throughout these screenings because mm-hmm. we're only seeing this movie once. Maybe we're a little that maybe that's hurting our viewing experience too, by the way, for the I, record. I don't I don't I don't doubt it, to be honest with you. I really tried to take notes on this one because I knew it was gonna be a one shot deal and Mike I perked up. I lifted my head, made sure I stopped a note mid sentence. If Bill Hader said something awesome, yeah, well, that I mean, and that's where I think the Bill Hader's an Oscar contender out of this movie comes from. And there was a small right. momentum for him before we this was released right to the public, right. and that was you can see where people were feeling that out. I don't think either one of us agree that he's going to be there at the end of the day, but you could see at least why people felt that way. Uh, we see one of our first gratuitous child kills soon <sighs> after this. Vicky at the ball game, obviously the worst parent of the year award. If it doesn't go to the parents from Good Boys, it goes to Vicky's mother. The mother watched the child chase a firefly under the bleachers in dairy. Yeah. Don't you got to know that dairy, like, I mean, every all these kids are disappearing forever. Yeah. I know everybody's in, like, a trance, and I guess maybe that's how you r- rationalize it. That's They're in a trance. A, the, the movie has that so much. It makes us rationalize for these characters, and I don't appreciate that. But, yes, this adorable child, Vicky, is savagely killed by Pennywise under the bleachers at this ball game. Never mentioned again, never referred to, plays no part in the plot outside of seeing this gruesome kill. A little much. It's just like a muscle flex scene for Pennywise. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. And we, we As if we don't know he's a child killing clown. We had to see that at the beginning of the first right. movie. I agree. I think it establishes everything. It makes it terrifying. That was a terrifying scene when he's in the drain. To the point where in this movie, Beverly is doing a double take when she sees the drain. It's a huge part of the McAvoy character's arc. It matters and it and it reverberates through this movie. You have the scene at the beginning that is strong and tragic enough to reverberate through this movie. Why do we need this scene here? Yeah, I I don't have an answer for it. I don't understand it. And that's, you know, I wasn't offended by it. I know people out there were. But it's just duplication. But it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't fit any literary sense for this script. I agree. Beverly says she's seen all of our deaths before. That's the winner of the moment I would head for the Hills Award, by the way. (laughs) And we get to this point where Mike is now living in the library of Derry and he shows Bill this hallucination of where it came from and how to kill it and how it was part of this Indian ritual thing. They do try to give a backstory to the evil of Pennywise. Yes, they do. Now, Mike should have given the Losers Club a full briefing on what's going to happen. <laughs> or at least us. us he, <laughs> the only reason he doesn't, there's two reasons. I mean, if you know the ritual doesn't work, then will everybody write it off as, all right, we're all, we're going to do all of this so it doesn't work. We're going to suffer through all this haunted house, because but it's not going to work. But if he tells them this is the only thing that might work, and we have to do this, otherwise we're all going to wind up in a bathtub someday, you know, based right. on Beverly's visions. Look, the stakes are there. 
but we should have a briefing. Like, why don't we have a briefing? The only reason we don't have a briefing cinematically, structurally, is because they don't want to tell the audience. For a misdirection. Yeah, it's for a misdirection payoff. I can't tell you because the audience Mm -hmm. can't know. Uh, uh, we forgot to mention Stanley's suicide, too, by the way. We should probably enter that in here. Now, Stanley kills himself before going back to Derry. Sorry about that. All right. They rationalized that so awfully. awfully. I awfully. I hated it. I hated it. Aw- offendingly bad. And if it's in the POV of the person that commits suicide, I'm okay with that. There was an Oscar-nominated, Oscar-winning movie that If did, the entire movie is in the POV. That did just that. Yeah. That yeah. did just that, right. and you can understand it in, in a sense. You're at least being walked through the troubles and hardship of this person's that life. That mind right. is sick, and that mind right. is coming up with these paradoxes, and that whole thing is what's leading to this. And that's our best guess on why he did it, because he thought he had to do it. The rationalization in this movie is that Stanley did this to bring the group together, and that's such bullshit, because the group didn't figure out that he was dead until they came back together already! <laughs> They came back together. They were there in a Chinese restaurant. They had already come back together, Mike. We don't need Stanley to bring them together. And then we have this rationalization at the end of the film where apparently you get the letter from Stanley giving you this reason that he he killed himself. and, And that's effed up. We don't get a whole movie with Stanley like we did with characters in other films to kind of show the paradox and show the catharsis. Gosh darn it, it doesn't work here because it's not set up. And Stanley knowing that his taking himself off the board, which is how he describes it, it's a really callous way they talk about it. So he even talks about his own suicide. Like, I was doing it for the greater good, blah, blah, blah. His, his talking like that is another example of these characters making these assumptions that just happen to be true immediately with no basis for us to believe it. Epilogue scenes especially in a movie like this where it's fairly on the nose, mm. you're basically spitting out like morals of the story yeah. at the end of it. This is what we should have learned. Mm-hmm. That is not what we should have <laughs> no, learned. No. You don't kill yourself to bring your friends together. Yeah, Didn't you see the big chill, Andy Muschietti? That's f- <laughs> the most fucked up thing I've ever heard. It's completely wrong. And if you want to show that, like an Oscar-winning movie did last year, show that his reasoning as a, a suicidal person was fucked up, you can do that. But don't put it in an emotional, music-playing, flashback, beautiful cinematography, rationalization at the end of the movie. I was fucking offended by that. I was too, and we're getting... It's part of also all these rules. Every horror movie has rules, so the rules of this movie are being established that the losers all need to be together to combat it and take him out. Right, also, that's good moral. I agree with that part. They they good. need to they need to I'm all... I'm fired up, Mike. I can tell they need to all find their <laughs> artifacts, Mike describes them. And all they have to all go back through Derry and find their individual artifacts uh, to come together at the end of this in this big ritual because that is how you defeat Pennywise. So we're establishing along the way yes. all these hard and fast rules of the horror movie. So that's where we are now. Everyone has their assignments. You have to split up. Go find your artifacts. And why should we split up? Aren't we better together? Well, it's okay because we actually split up the, the summer we were all children. That was a part of It Chapter 1, in my mind, that worked the best because some of those monsters were scary. And again, <laughs> this is the part of the movie that works the best to me so i'm giving this the thank god they came up with a reason to split up award because they can get scared by pennywise is it a good reason no because mike is basically telling them to find totems of a ritual that he knows doesn't work right right. so it's a really bad reason however we get a bunch of those scenes now mike and you're going to kind of talk about the plot 
within those scenes because the, there are plot scenes that break them up but this is like the carnival ride and each character has their scare they they go into their own scary room yeah. with a monster popping out you have beverly with the old lady that we saw in the, the dopest shows. old woman ever award Giant. joan gregson playing mrs <laughs> kirsch bravo she was creepy as shit giant naked old lady succubus like that too because they played off the, the trailer that teaser scene we all saw and it wasn't the same ending the ending is that not a naked old lady it's a gigantic naked old lady gigantic naked old lady succubus so it's yeah. just terrifying and Love then that. you get an awesome like freak out scene with Skarsgård as the real Mr. Kirsch Pennywise Love ancestor. Love that as well. That and was he's awesome. putting on the makeup and then he cuts his face when mm-hmm. it, with the white paint when mm-hmm. he's trying to smear the paint. Jesus, that's scary. I, I shuddered in almost each one of these. Richie and the Paul Bunyan statue. This is Bill Hader. How does that statue stay so light on its feet to get right behind him and scare him like that? I don't care because I watched <laughs> Paul Bunyan growing up, Mike, and I always wondered what if Paul Bunyan as like a superhero fable character, him and babe what if they went heel that's a big monster to deal with i mean think about superman bizarro what if he went well mr bunyan went bizarro that this is what happens and that was terrifying to me like i I was like i know something crazy is going to happen to make the Bunyan statue come alive, that was crazier than I I thought. This and was I love the visual effects of, of that whole scene too. Paul Bunyan swiping away, and yeah. the dirt is coming up behind him. He's Pennywise on the music, on the yeah. balloons, floating, looking straight up at it. I thought that was gorgeous. Yeah, absolutely agree. Bill seeing his dead brother in the sewer, a million arms. I think this was like the weakest freak out. Little kid on the skateboard, you know, kind of setting up the next Hated plot driven scene. I, this was the weakest for me. Eddie at the pharmacy. Goes into the basement, mother tied to a chair. He's got to fight hand-to-hand combat. That leper monster again, which I loved in the first movie, and it's even scarier and grosser here. Pukes on him. Yes. To Angel. Just call me Angel. (laughs) Okay. Um, Listen. Yeah. (laughs) Listen. These are good scares. Yeah, I think so. I agree. Uh, I think there's some really cool visuals. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. There is a set of four scenes back to back to back to back. Right. That are just inexcusably tonally awkward. And I didn't mention the Ben stuff, so here you go. Yeah. This is the worst tonal shift in a 2019 horror movie award. So this is yep. just an example. I think they plague the film overall. But we have Ben now. Before we get to Eddie in the pharmacy, Ben is in his high school. He doesn't even have a scare. He's just reliving a scare he had as a fat kid when Pennywise chased him and Beverly's, you know, hair was on fire chasing him. Big scare. So that still worked for me. Like, oh my God, with that. You can't believe you lit her head on fire. The problem I have comes from Ben remembering that being terrified of it. The very next scene, he goes back to the townhouse. Him and Beverly immediately enter into this meta-philosophical, what if we don't want to forget certain things conversation. He's not scared at all at this point. He's just entered immediately into this adult conversation. They follow that up with Eddie going to the pharmacy. Eddie goes through this big, horrific hall of nightmares down in the basement of the pharmacy, encounters this giant monster, chokes him out. The monster covers him in goo. We have a cut to Angel playing as the monster covers him in goo mm. for no reason. It is not alluded to or plays any part in this plot whatsoever. Was it played for laughs? I guess. Yes. I did not laugh. I was wondering, why are you playing Angel during this part for me? 
Cut to immediately the next scene, Beverly and Bill just start making out in the townhouse yep. because I guess they figure they should. All they, those memories must have just been fluttering back to them. They remembered when they did. And I guess if you kiss somebody as a child, you have to kiss them as an adult when you re- right, reunite except, with them. Oh, wait. Oh, scary haunted skateboard is coming down the steps now and there's a message on the skateboard referring Bill back to the kid he met a couple scenes ago and how Bill needs to go rogue now even though the entire conceit of this plot yep. is that everybody knows they can only battle Pennywise if they're together they have to separate to get their totems which they've done and now they're back together but Bill goes rogue even though Bill is one of two people that have seen first hand what happens with Pennywise and how to kill him because Mike drugged him and showed him the cone of horrors or whatever the hell that clay thing was. So structurally <laughs> I love this. I love this. So structurally like this is the heart of act two right? Because it's around Bill's character. Yes. Just had that emotional moment. So this is supposed to really drive the story correct? Drive the story. <laughs> right. And we have a big moment there after Bill's like, I'm going rogue. None of you could die for this. <laughs> it's so I'm stupid. protecting you. Oh my God. It's so stupid. The following two scenes, Mike, are, okay, we all know where Bill's going, right? <laughs> There's only one place he can go. <laughs> Quick scene. And then they all go there and they meet him there. Oh, hi, Bill. You're not doing this on your own. And again, you could say that the <laughs> child murder in the, I thought it was the, maybe the best visual of the whole movie. Yeah. Child gets murdered in that house of the fun house, the house of mirrors. It's a really cool scene, but that whole Bill going rogue only exists against all logic, by the way. Against his character's logic. It only exists to have that cool visual. I hate, I still hated this, though, because I like that kid on the skateboard. That kid is rolling with it. That kid understands that adults are full of shit and they're going through (laughs) shit. That kid gets it. At the Chinese restaurant, that kid is just a fan of Bill Haters. He's just a fan of Richie. And Richie just is having this freak out. And that kid's like, no, it's cool. I'll just go back to my parents. And he's cool (laughs) with it. All right, this guy's a lunatic. He's must be a show business person with that stigma. (laughs) The kid gets it. Then there's this other guy in the street looking at the sewer. And he deals with that whack job. Right. Like, don't go in the sewers. Stay as long as you can. I paid $300 for this old rusty bike at an antique store that they kept old and rusty for me. Because we had to get Stephen King as cameo. I can't even laugh at that Stephen King cameo because he doesn't like profanity. That's is that supposed to be funny? There's so much shit stuffed into this for no reason. Oh, I guess it's just ridiculous. But I like this kid, and then you have this kid just inevitably no hope, gonna die right there in that maze. Brings me to my next award. Mm. This clown may suck at doing his job. Award. Mm. It's been 27 years. Has any tangible physical harm come? To any of the losers when they have been on Earth and not in Pennywise's lair. Has anything bad happened no, to them? He's got to lure them. In. Is this his whole modus operandi? Boy, that would be them? nice to know, wouldn't it? But uh, that's high risk for him. <laughs> why doesn't he just keep killing people in dairy? Like, why doesn't... <laughs> like, you could, you're killing kids. You're a child-killing clown. Okay, so you didn't get the losers. J- just, just keep killing the kids. Hmm. What? Well, it's dumb. <laughs> it's dumb. So yes, they get- all do meet back at Bill at that Pennywise's house. They meet Bill by happenstance through no explanation. We have this whole Bowers interlude. 
most unnecessary before that antagonist yeah. of 2019. Why is that necessary? He was a crazy character in the first movie that was crazy enough to be in that first movie. Hated it. With resolution in the first movie. Why does he need to be a mental patient in this movie with the zombie friend, drummer boy, whatever? Most unnecessary antagonist of 2019. Bowers, congratulations. It truly is. It truly is. I mean, is it kind of funny when the zombie picks him up in the car? Is it? I don't think so. Right. I I like the balloon floating past the mental hospital visual. Very cool visual. But you keep that whole subplot in the movie for that one visual. It's not like you don't got enough scares exactly. in the middle of this movie exactly. to where, like, if we take him out, we're going to be bereft in the middle of the film. No, you could cut out that 20 minutes easily. The only reason I like that is because when they're in the shit, Richie and Eddie have... Richie, Bill Hader's character, gives Eddie's character a great pep talk that goes really fast when Eddie is frozen by fear and trauma... And this is a great way to snap him out of it. He's like, who stabbed Billy with a knife he pulled out of his face? Yeah. You shouldn't be a coward because you literally took that knife out of your face and stabbed this guy it's with it. It's a great it. message. A great, you're absolutely great right. Knife. It's a great I mean, moment. you're not a coward because you fought against this guy before, even though he's been your bully as a childhood into real life now. Okay, now let's get to the finale. <laughs> we do all these things. Scares keep happening. It's great. We finally meet Pennywise. We're yeah. all thinking about the ABC miniseries from 1990, how that turned into a giant spider, right? So how are they going to get themselves out of this without being spider-reliant with rocks being thrown? They do pay homage to all that. We have Pennywise Spider. We have rocks being thrown. But there's like the last Crab 45 more minutes than spider. of this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The last 45 minutes of this are pretty impressive visually, I would say. I didn't hate it. I like the reversal that the ritual of Chud didn't work. I get aggravated that Mike didn't tell him. Because <laughs> that's just absurd to me. Like, they all should yeah. be going in with all the information. What if right. Mike dies? Right. Mike, what if you die? Somebody's got to fix this. Otherwise, you're damning the whole enterprise. Right, right. And you live in a library, dude. <laughs> you could easily have a briefing set up for this group. Um, do you have anything about the finale? The scares were fun. Beverly gets sent into her bathroom stall of horrors. Ben gets sent back to his clubhouse of nightmares. Both of them start to get drowned. Bill gets sent back to his childhood. He encounters Georgie's ghost in his base, flooded basement again and has to kill the former version of himself to forgive himself. So there's like something cool and fun and scary in each one of those things, right? There's something that works on you mm-hmm. in each one of those I scenes. Agree. But it's not enough to where I'm saying I need all of those scenes. Like they're basically realizing, oh my God, we have way too many characters mm-hmm. to give them their payoffs. So it's either we make this two hours and 40 minutes <laughs> and we pay them all off. Or, you know... I think you just stumbled into your, an award in and of itself. I like that. But <laughs> Either at, we make this three hours or we all just say F it. Avengers Endgame does all of that with quadruple the characters in one battle. 20 plus movies of precedent, though. Right. I mean, it is a little different, right? But you have all these characters that show up once and they all get a moment in that right. one battle. It's true. Here, it's... It, you have you have to take twenty you know ten minutes a piece for each one of these characters. So they figure out the ritual doesn't work. A new plan is come up with on the fly. Even though Eddie is dying now because Pennywise has stabbed him, why don't we try to make Pennywise small physically? Because Eddie, who has been stabbed with a giant knife through his chest, is still alive and tells them, "Wait a minute! In the pharmacy's basement, I was choking him and he felt weak. So let's make Pennywise small so we can choke him. That's the way to kill him because that, of course, will work. Because why wouldn't it? We're just making a now and our assumptions are right they try to make 
Pennywise small. Pennywise cuts them off. Wait a minute, there's more than one way to make someone feel small. We'll just berate this bully. They'll bully the clown down till he's a puddle of mush and steal his heart physically out of his chest to kill him. So kids... (laughs) The way to stop bullying is to bully the bully. The way to stop verbal abuse is to be better at it than the verbal abuser. What the f, f are they saying here? Uh, I'm really not trying to be. No, there, uh, no, it's it's. I mean, that's the message. Good, bullying wins. Good boys had a better anti-bullying a thousand message than this movie. We're stronger together, but we're also nonviolent, and we're also you know singing like the kids are singing song. That is a good message. This here you know at least it, I, I i just i don't understand what they're saying in this movie if they're not saying this because this is simply bully the bully it's exactly bully the bully i mean that's the the bully the bully award we work with kids mike and this pisses us off it's because terrible. this is not the way you handle it and then it's on top i mean the topper is in the epilogue where we have stanley explaining that his suicide was necessary and for the greater good and helping everyone else like what how many times can you offend somebody <laughs> Oh, can you imagine if you were in the situation where you're trying to decide, is this bullying in the school? And you're dealing with it. And then little Jimmy was, this was said to little Jimmy and you, all right, immediate before I pass this, you know, above the line, because it's above my pay grade to mm-hmm. handle it to an investigator, to a cop, to the principal. Before I do that, can you imagine if as a educator, you said to the kid who got bullied, well, little Jimmy, what was your retort? <laughs> You got the, he said that to you, but what did you say yeah. back? You should have said this back because you should have made him feel smaller. Can you what imagine? And look, uh, yes, this is not a movie for children. We understand that, but <laughs> it's still a message. It's still supposed to be the purpose and the moral of the story. This movie doesn't hide its messages well, where we applaud some of the messages earlier in the film. No, you're right. I mean, you said it. I mean, he's on, he's on the face of it. Filming. Bill Hader's character and Eddie's character and Bill Hader's arc. I mean, some of those messages are good, right? I mean, mm-hmm. these are... You got a worldwide hit that this movie's going to be. And you never had a character like Bill Hader's in one of those movies before. And this is a good, good exposure, even if they didn't handle it perfectly well. All right, we're allies. We're with that. Good. This is message is fucking <laughs> disgusting <laughs> and with I, the bullies. And on a screenwriting premise, okay, you're establishing all these rules on how to kill this ghost clown that's right. murdering everyone. If you want to have rules in a horror movie, that's fine. Play by your rules. You cannot establish all these rules... For the purpose of building up to a misdirect, yep. which is what Mike's lying was, and then not have hinted at or established the real way to beat to overcome. Well, he doesn't level. know it, but that's the thing, right? But because you don't have this planned out, to me anyway, you're not suggesting anything that will work to the audience. Mike has no plan B. Right, but the every plan B that they come up with on the fly is what works. They just suggest the right suggestion. Which is preposterous. I hate it. Mike has been in the attic in the library, not traveling, not leaving dairy. This is his life's purpose. For 27 years, Michael, because he is just in the shit. Mm -hmm. He's staying here to make sure that I am going to be the knight at the gates of the Holy Grail, protecting this secret, protecting this situation, and I'm going to be on the front lines if I have to fight it. And you don't have a plan B? 
You're going to hope that you can improvise with a bunch of people with no memories? You're going to hope that a bunch of amnesiacs can (laughs) improvise. Well, lucky for him, they have the greatest improvisation ever because everything is exactly what they were supposed to do, right? I mean, thank God. Apparently. He's dealing with the most capable people in the history of amnesia. It's ridiculous. Uh, I did not like this movie, Mike. What else we got for awards? I got a bunch of unique superlatives to kind of end this. Yeah. Uh, the I Cannot Believe This Condemned House Has Not Been Bulldozed Award. <laughs> That's funny. That goes right in line with the Imagine Being That House's Neighbor Award and watching Pennywise's dilapidated home just falling in on itself while you're, like, grabbing your paper. Because that house is in the middle of a neighborhood. It's just, like, on the corner. It didn't his trance lift by now? Can't we apply real-life reactions and reaction shots like to this? like a guy thing? in a robe with his paper and his coffee. Huh? What are you guys doing? Look at that. <laughs> Don't see that every day. <laughs> All right. Have a good one. Mike, the Married Your Mom Award. This goes to Eddie Kasparak. You picked up on this. I didn't even see it. <laughs> Literally the same actress, Molly Atkinson, playing both characters. Love I thought that. it was funny. Yeah, love that. Yeah. It goes right in line with Eddie's character. The funniest uh, puking in a horror movie award by Bill Hader. I, I was laughing. <laughs> the, that's how we meet Hader's character, too. I mean, he fir- the first thing we see about him is his he going does. over Barry. And he pukes like four or five times. Yeah. And it, it, it hit me every time. I laugh at that stupid shit, I guess. The likeliest and most well-timed Job of the Hutt impersonation award from <laughs> Bill Hader. He he does this so often. In every interview, yeah. he's impersonating Jabba the Hutt in SNL. He does this all the time. And it's spot on. And it works. <laughs> and it, if it's not used as Mike Wheeler in Stranger Things, when they do the old person version of Stranger Things, you have you I'm have very in upset. your mind now, you are set up for Stranger Things season 10 Mike, to be them growing if, up and Bill Hader as Finn Wolfhard. If that's not season 10, that better be the Stranger Things movie of all these characters <laughs> growing up. They, this movie's going to make money. It's The template's there for you. Finally, Mike, the scariest use of balloons in a movie ever. Oh. I think this is like legitimate. Under the bed? I don't want him to pop that balloon. No. The balloon no that was a good scare. In the ritual of Chud? Like, that's funny. Yeah. And that's crazy. Like, we thought we defeated him. It's this big thing, and it's a nice reversal there. I really enjoyed that. And then I thought that one of my favorite shots in the movie, and they have it in the trailer, is Pennywise flying those balloons above the Paul Bunyan character. I thought that was terrifying and weird. And then it's a misdirect because guess what? Guess which, which monster's coming to life? <laughs> the one he just flew over. I liked it. Great, ba- great balloon movie. I think it's, it's the greatest balloons in the movie ever. I think this is a, a, a good way to wrap up to because there is good in this movie. Like, I know we spent a lot of time bashing it. There's a lot to bash about it, but it's certainly, it's not just a, a schlock film. It's a high-quality studio picture. High production values, yes. I've talked myself down, though, in points. Yeah, so have I. I was up at a 79. I'm yeah. going back to a straight C, yeah. 75. Yeah, that's about, that's about right. Because the goods delivered work but then i hate things so much that i'm gonna go right inexcusable that inexcusable especially because you had such a high quality polished prequel yeah and we all enjoyed that and for the shortcomings that you saw on the rewatch i don't think you would say that's a c i just think they're like more is better and when they just should give us exactly the same tempo the the same mood like that's what you got to duplicate yeah figure out what works and that worked and they didn't know what works they just figured more of what worked would have but it's all about composition at the end of the day here's the question yeah i have for you to wrap up with (laughs) do we call the bullpen and bring in david gordon green to clean this one up too have an it remake in a couple years do we start a petition (laughs) 
not my it and i demand that this movie gets remade <laughs> not my it except my it is one word so it's just not me <laughs> idiots <laughs> uh guys listen like we said maybe not the type of it chapter two review you hear everywhere else or would expect to hear from a type of show that we try to stay positive about and be movie appreciation there yeah. is stuff to appreciate within this film uh just unfortunately for us left a lot to be desired we obviously want to know your thoughts comments questions concerns about it chapter two do you agree with anything we're putting down or do you think we're missing the mark a little bit ourselves you can leave us those comments uh mike mike and oscar on facebook mike mike and oscar on instagram mm and oscar on twitter mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we are available everywhere you hear podcasts which includes apple podcasts or itunes if you can go on that uh go on your podcast app on your iphone hit the search type in mike mike and oscar and submit just tap on our logo once you'll see the chance there to leave us a five-star review if you can do that it takes 30 seconds it would really mean a lot to us and thank yes you thank to those you of you who have michael any final words of wisdom here and anything that's coming up next in the mmo empire more is not better i mean that's just the quantity solid advice quantity is not over quality i think the last movie uh proved that Mm -hmm. so what's coming up next we got the joker character study that we're going to continue with mark hamill next week following that we got the big one we got heath ledger Mm -hmm. jared leto we got uh, and of course joaquin phoenix's joker's coming out on october 4th we'll review that as well we may have a few bonus episodes we may not we don't know what we're going to do yet you're you're liking that series we're loving it as well yes four episodes in we did an it crossover where we did a miniature preview we guessed the plot for it chapter three which is the which is the Joker versus Pennywise. Exactly. That's the natural ending of this. So that episode is... Like, if you're listening to this episode, why you wouldn't listen to that episode? Regardless... Like, it's not just an It preview. It's got the history of evil clowns. Yeah. You'll like that episode more than you will like this episode. And it's a... It's a good pitch. I was going to compare it to this movie, but I won't do that. It's a good pitch. But we got our two weekly news and variety shows that we're loving, you're loving, and we thank you for clicking on them as much as you are. They're both big hits. Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly is our early week show. We hit on the rest of the movie news after Oscar Race Update is an award season-centric show. And uh, we, we love the both of those. Absolutely. Guys, like we always say, when reality sucks, you can come watch these movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, sometimes more is not better. I like that. That's good advice. (laughs) See ya.